0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash.
1: Hello, loyal listeners. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization, and today uh, it's my pleasure to have... My buddy and uh, former conversion conference speaker, hopefully future conversion conference speaker as well, Justin Rondu. Uh, Justin, welcome.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Tim. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, and uh, I know that you're uh, the well, the big fancy title, chief testing evangelist and chief editor of Which Test Won. Um Tell us a little bit about uh, Which Test One and what you do there.
2: All right. Well, which test one is the uh, the number one online publication for um, that really just evangelizes and educates uh, AB test AB testing and uh, multivariate testing to uh, to testing professionals and uh, digital marketers.
1: So I, I know one of the you know, the funnest kind of content that you guys have is is this daily uh, test and you show all the different variations in a split test and you basically ask people which one to vote for them. And uh, what surprises you most about the voting when people vote for the winners?
2: Um, actually, I think uh, what surprises me the most is a, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people just getting them wrong. I guess the, uh, we, do ha- we do show a lot of counterintuitive tests to really kind of be that gadfly of, uh, of the marketing best practice. But uh, overall, I think people it does surprise me that people get them wrong as often as they do.
1: <laughs> so So even the professionals uh, mess it up, huh oh, yeah. <laughs> So if you are to characterize some of the reasons that that people get it wrong, I mean, this is the, you know, kind of getting to the heart of why we have testing in the first place. It's not us, it's the audience that matters, right so but why do we marketing professionals uh, get the answer wrong a lot? Are there I, any I, common themes that emerge
2: um, um, and I don't really think of common themes. I think it really is what you just pointed out that uh, that we aren't our own audience, and I think it's really hard for us to take off our marketer hat when we're looking at these things, and um, we're we're not really thinking from the the, the eyes of a consumer or from uh, from our target audience. And I think that's really the, the main issue there.
1: And are there you know still though I'm going to keep picking at this, but okay. is there something that um, what kind of mistakes are Professional marketers likely to make, or what kind of, what are our biases, if you will? What do we think is good that really isn't? Is there anything that you know, kind of some examples you can give of uh, where you know people have voted in the wrong direction?
2: Um, Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the big things I see is when people really push after or design a site based off of best practices and they make those votes like in most cases i know when you talk about landing pages you want to keep navigation low but we've seen uh or keep it minimal and we've seen in cases that actually navigation has either had no effect or even uh, has been actually increased conversions on site so it's really based on the uh, your target and kind of how your audience reacts and i think that best practice falling into best practices some people uh run into some issues and vote kind of more in accordance to those
1: so, you, what you're saying is uh, the difference between a standalone landing page focused on the offer and including the main navigation bar.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so yeah, we have, we've run some tests where they've included the, the main navigation and actually seen a lift. But again, that's not something that people should just you know take to take as a, you know, a standard practice and try on their site. In most cases, you do want to have no nav- no or little navigation on there. But um, uh, we have seen people try different tests there that have actually uh, seen lifts, which is pretty counterintuitive to uh, to what they believe.
1: Yeah, that uh, certainly seems to be something that, you know, our general theme, I th- I'd say, for creating test plans is to get rid of stuff on the page because mm-hmm. often uh, it declutters things and lets you focus on the call to action. And definitely navigation... Falls into that area, uh, but like you say, there are exceptions to every rule yep All right, well, what, what, what would be another kind of recent example of uh, you know, something that most people got wrong?
2: I think um, w- a lot of stuff that happens with copy people get people get wrong often um, we've seen different types of uh, or different styles of call to action. We had one test where it was uh, they were using the, the term volume discount. And um, as low as – and this was on Hallmark's site. And um, volume discount was actually the control variation. Mm-hmm. And so when they tried the new variation out with as low as, they saw a really, really incredible lift. And um, people did vote really in accordance with this. But the people who voted wrong uh, loved to comment and be like, well, this is why we think uh, – we why we voted this way. And um, they just thought that on the one hand, that volume discount – for the people that got it right, thought it was you know too kind of technical of a term. Whereas other people thought that it fit within kind of the the mindset of the uh, the person who'd be buying in bulk from the site. So, uh, copy and how people interpret that, I've seen uh, a lot of people go either way on.
1: Yeah, well, it seems like w- with copy, there's um, the meanings that we assign to, to words, and and our slant is very much couched in in kind of our background, and it's it's hard to. You know, uh, be in the visitor 's shoes, so one of the things that uh we like to focus on when we do write copy and headlines and calls to action are those kind of intrinsic emotional motivators because they're going to be uh something that you know stands the test of time i mean there's uh, some of the direct response stuff has stood up for decades uh, are Are there any kind of common best practices in copywriting that that you find when consistently
2: um in terms of the copy used that I've seen, when consistently, um, it really they really have had that more emotive feel. We saw a really cool test uh, that was done during the holiday season last year uh, by a beer company, where they had a it was a home brew company where they had you know this nice headline and a bit more copy within there, and then they went to a really a short headline saying the best damn beer you've ever tasted. And um, so they really decided to go after a more catchy headline there and kind of getting people excited about their product. And that one won hands down. I, I don't have the actual stats of that in front of me, but it was a, um, a really successful test for them that actually uh, was counter to what the uh, the up, the higher-ups in the organization wanted to publish on the site. But once they had the, uh, the test data, they really couldn't turn it down anymore.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like, gee, let's see. How much less money do we want to make this <laughs> exactly. year? Exactly. No, that's a, yeah, one problem is that uh, with copywriting tests is that um, often, like you say, you have to run them up the, the the flagpole and get approval. And usually, they get watered down in the process. Have you ever seen that happen?
2: Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen those tests happen. I've actually seen a lot of uh, some tests where people have run them and then they actually don't get uh, they don't get used, so they never actually run, um, make it live. So they've run the test. They see that there's a, a lift on one end, but still, due to office politics, uh, they don't even actually get up on the site. Which I always find as being very frustrating and I never really understand why people do that themselves, but uh, that's just kind of the, the name of the game and what's going on in there right now. Hmm.
1: So that's uh, that's interesting. So they kind of, uh, the optimization team or the marketing team goes off the reservation, does uh, maybe even an unsanctioned test, but then they basically get spanked or that the results of
2: the test get shelved? Mm-hmm. Even, even if the, the test was sanctioned, even. Uh, I mean, we generally... St- try and warn people not to do any sort of like black ops or unsanctioned tests uh, but yeah one particular that, I, that we had on our site I don't think it's on the site just yet but it's gonna be up put up there in probably a couple weeks um, was for a uh, for an online publication for a publication that was getting re- uh, traffic from Uh, as seen on TV, like from TV ads, so it was an as seen on TV product. And they did a really, and I think you'd actually really like this, Tim. It was a nice landing page and a really great kind of clean versus clutter test. And I think you'd uh, really agree with uh, the ideas that were going on there. And uh, yeah, they just, they had a great lift and just the higher ups just vetoed it, saying, no way, we want to keep it as it is.
1: Well, that's strange because usually you'd expect the buy-in if the test was sanctioned that all the different test copy, uh, was already kind of approved for publication, just pending who won mm-hmm. but uh, I guess uh there's another cautionary tale folks get buy in for your test and say, Hey, we agree that these are all acceptable to test, and whichever one wins that 's the one we 're going to run with otherwise all of that work is for nothing right
2: yeah that 's exactly right
1: well let 's uh let 's focus on i mean this, this is something you said the, the best damn beer you've tasted I, I one of the things that that works in in headlines is um Getting someone to uh, visualize and engage multiple senses. Have you seen kind of examples of copywriting that uh, hooked into that kind of emotional or primitive brain?
2: Um, yeah, I've, I've I've seen some cases of those. I think a lot of them are slipping from me, though. The, the one I can think of the best is that 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 best damn uh, beer I've ever tasted. One, um, but we've seen some others too, where the headlines have really kind of pushed towards that kind of like. That just primal, uh, that primal state that people are looking at, whether it be um, how they can benefit from this, or like what, like what really is, what's really in it for them, and getting them at their lowest level. Um, I've seen some pretty interesting tests that have done that as well. But again, some of those copy ones I haven't seen, I haven't looked at them in a while. But uh, yeah, well,
1: <laughs> you know, this at uh, the, the last conversion conferences, you know, there's a pretty heavy emphasis on uh, neuromarketing and psychology mm-hmm. and persuasion of kind of the reptilian brain and. Uh, I know that Brian Massey talked about it. I talked about it in my keynote. Susan Weinshank, the Brain Lady, of course, and Amy Africa all touched on that. And I think it, it's a, it's a, it's an important reminder for folks that um, don't lead with the cold hard facts. Don't lead with the little, you know. Table A, Table B. You know, we have four more cup holders than the competitive car kind of stuff. <laughs> you really have to. That stuff doesn't even make it through to, for consideration if the reptilian brain doesn't pass, sign off on it first, because that's the bouncer at the door.
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent agree.
1: Uh, all right. Well, so let's see. So, what are uh, let's talk about just kind of common things that people test. Um, how many um, if you had to kind of. Say, what do you think is is more effective? Let's say you have a page you've never tested. Uh, mm-hmm. Should you be making little tweaks to it, you know, button color, headline, or should you be doing a wholesale redesign of the whole page and take it to a completely different, you know, direction or another concept? What works
2: generally best? Tactical small test or whole page redesigns? Um, I really, I, it really matters, I think, on the traffic people are getting. But um, if I were, if, you, if this was the first time you were testing a page, normally I I put for people doing a a larger scale a b test to kind of get a proof of concept down for how the page should be Um, and then kind of starting doing some iterative tests later on to drill down on individual elements so i wouldn't say start with just like a button change but uh kind of really go and break down the walls and see what's going on on that page and then further throughout your testing process then you can start figuring out each different element and how they uh how they impact conversions from there
1: All right, well, we're going to come back to that theme of, you know, kind of the methodology of testing after this short break. uh, We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our
0: sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. And let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the
2: AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs.
0: Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let
1: Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit location3media.com.
0: Just getting your feet wet on the internet? Then dive into our stream. Webmasterradio.fm. We're the coolest place around. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome back to LPO Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
1: And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO Landing Page Optimization. And uh, today we're continuing our conversation with Justin Rondu. And Justin, we were talking about kind of how to attack tests uh, in general, let's say on virgin territory, on new pages you haven't worked with. And you were advocating kind of for radical whole page redesigns and then fiddling with the smaller details of the page after you found the the right basic approach to go with. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, so, um, if you, so how does this fit into, I know you guys basically just cover split testing test but where does multivariate testing fit into all this i'm sure there are a few folks asking that that's where you 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 know <laughs> you change several elements of the page at once and vary them and see what combination of them works the best
2: yeah i mean if you if you have if you have enough traffic and the technology to start to run uh, multivariate tests on your site you are going to get those insights about how the individual elements affected conversion though even if you're running an mvt test I generally recommend running a split test between your original and your winner after the fact to make sure everything's jiving correctly um, but that's kind of if you're going the m v t route the how i'd how I'd suggest doing things
1: no that's that's absolutely right just from a what the multivariate or m v t test as you put it uh does is it builds a model of which which of the elements on the page contribute how much to the outcome. But it's just a model. And so you're absolutely right. You have to back test it, take your predicted winner and test it head to head against your original. That's that's not just recommended. That's an absolute must in my mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well so uh let's let's talk about um I guess how you could say common themes of what people like to test. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time people ask me about what's the best button color, then I would be retired and we wouldn't even be talking right now. (laughs) Uh, But what do people fixate on? What do people think are the silver bullets uh, of testing?
2: Um, I see a lot of actually button calls to action. So the copy on the button itself, Um, a lot of people like testing those things. Uh, Button tests really do take over a lot i think in terms of the test submissions i see versus the tests that i actually publish on the site Um, i think it's overall a pretty easy change that people can make that doesn't require that much it involvement Um, but again those are kind of like the the end of the testing process type tests you should be doing to when you're trying to drill down on the individual elements themselves Um, i think also some tests that i've seen some people uh some elements people really enjoy testing are really um Overlays, uh, overlays, or pop-ups or light boxes, whatever term you kind of subscribe to, a lot of people are testing those in their sites for lead generation purposes.
1: Okay, so basically, um, vi- uh, attention grabbers, visual distractions—that's um, the category they fall in for me. Uh, do so. Are you talking about en- entry pop-ups on the way in or exit pop-ups when someone leaves or clicks on something?
2: Um yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen mainly people will do entry or I've actually seen some really cool ones that people have run where they um wait for a predetermined path to be hit on the website so they're following the use the visitor through the website when they've seen particular types of content, then they're hit with a, a pop-up because they've been defined as somebody who'd be more likely to uh to convert whether uh for that, you know, giving up their information there or uh on their lead gen form, uh which I thought was pretty neat. I've also seen some pretty cool exit tests as well. Um, this one's kind of an old one. I believe it was on, uh, oh, that was a video for Napster. I can't remember the, uh, the, the one test where there was a nice exit one, but what they kept in mind with that exit pop-up was that everybody that saw that pop-up was already a registered free user of the site. So they had some interaction with them as well. But that kind of exit friction I've seen work well with, uh, Dell even used kind of that exit friction test as well when after you've created a, a, a particular PC or laptop, uh, with Dell, if you throw it out, that could be, you know, half hours worth of work. And then the user's definitely not converting after that if they can't uh, salvage it. So they did an exit pop-up, which is pretty neat. That just gives reminding like, are you sure you want to do this? You're going to lose your information, which uh, increased conversion significantly for them.
1: Yeah, or, you know, at, at a minimum, try to save that intermediate state. Yeah, if you're mm-hmm. doing something complicated or time-consuming or that you're likely to need to think about or do multiple visits, you should always help people. Save their information, or and hey, and it's really just an excuse for an email grab anyway. So exactly, (laughs) I hate to be a cynical marketer, but uh, so that's a good way to build your mailing list as well.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So um, let's uh, so if we we, so we've talked about you know buttons, we've talked about the headline and lead-in copy. One of the things again, if we just focus on the fact that the web is mostly visual and ignore. Any, any audio components to it, or haven't come up with smellorama or tactile stuff yet? But what um, what about imagery on a page? You know, background, hero shot. Uh, how much does that move the needle?
2: Um I've actually seen that move the needle uh, quite significantly. We saw a really simple test by uh, i believe it was d h l uh one time where they they actually just changed out the models. They had a male model versus a female one and they were they weren't your kind of like your glamorous models they were in the d h l uniform holding a sign. nothing else changed on the page and they had upwards it was it was, it was more than a twenty percent lift that they saw on that It might have been in the thirties even um just by just that by one switch out of the image there which um the the female actually ended up winning. Uh, but it was a really cool test.
1: Well, that's a, that actually is a, not a big surprise. Uh, if you're thinking about male models versus female models, go with the female models as your default, I would say. Uh, women will look at them and men will look at them. They get noticed <laughs> more. And again, they don't have to be supermodels but just female. Women will compare themselves to them and men will um, – to put it politely. <laughs> 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 uh but but uh, we've seen that outpull in in pretty much all circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, would you agree with that that there's kind of a, a bias
2: uh, towards female models? Um I definitely do in most test cases I see when they people even are just trying to add uh you know that that nice face to the page where I uh, I saw somebody I think it was HubSpot that added a uh a HubSpot employee who is a female onto the page, you see how that affected conversions. But generally when either they're doing model versus model or just trying to add a add a model to the site, I've generally seen that it is a uh, female.
1: Now I think that there's also a kind of a dangerous flip side to that, which is that uh, there's a special area in our brain which is there just to recognize faces because they're a very rich source of information. in The environment actually works about twice as fast as the other object recognition hardware we have built in there. So, but um, that that could be a bad thing. Uh, what if uh, have you seen cases where visuals distract, especially pictures of people, and actually undermine the call
2: to action? I've actually yeah, I've seen that actually a lot um i've seen it on different banner ad tests we've seen that hubspot test i actually was talking about it actually by adding the person to the page it dropped in conversion so that was the losing variation um people just kind of i mean they're in the b2b space even though they're kind of a hip company there but they're in the b2b space people were more focused on what they were getting from filling out that lead gen form and on top of that it pushed the lead gen form down um so they didn't see the whole thing above the fold which is kind of uh, not the best best move to do there, but just to add a you know a, a visual cue there. But the one uh, there was one we saw where it was a um, just I think it was the CEO of the company or no, it was the the guy talking for a webinar and it was a um, a banner ad on the site and it just. Tanked in conversion when they had uh, had the guy's face on there versus the exact same kind of copy and layout without uh without the image there,
1: yeah, without any image, so just so like you say there there are several problems with images once they they can grab attention uh, for the away from the call to action too they're sometimes. Vanity, so yeah, it's bad to put stock photography models on there, but it's also bad to put your CEO because you know he wants to be on. I mean, unless you're Tony Robbins and the product is the CEO or something like that, right? But but the third point you mentioned I think is very important. Oftentimes you will completely destroy the usability of your page by pushing stuff below the fold, uh, and so that real estate taken up by the picture becomes a consideration in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right well we 're going to come back uh, after our next break and uh you know it 's funny I had uh, Susan Weinshank on the show uh, the the Brain lady and uh, you know one of the things I found out about her was that uh, she was quite a good uh, jazz singer, so we had to ha- have an impromptu performance here. I understand that one of your uh, i guess hobbies or ways to pass the time is karaoke and you you consider yourself a bit of a uh, a superstar with a mic in your hand, eh?
2: Uh, Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> okay. <kind> of- well,
1: <laughs> when we come back after the break, I think we're going to have to have a sample. <laughs> we'll see what All I right. can do for you, Tim. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors.
0: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1 866 625 5717. That's eBrands with a Z for eBrands. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? SearchMetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with SearchMetrics.com. That's SearchMetrics.com. Open your windows for a breath of fresh air. WebmasterRadio.fm And hey, Mac... We're here for you, too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
1: And we're back, loyal listeners. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, Justin's I guess karaoke chops, do you, do you have a, a favorite on, on the carousel, or what do you have them pop
2: into the CD player when you go up there? Uh, I always have them do Total Eclipse of the Heart every time. <laughs> oh, man, you're one of those <laughs> cheesy karaoke
1: singers. All right, hit us with a few bars.
2: Uh, just be like, <laughs> all right, all right, let's see what I can do. Once upon a time I was falling in love, now I'm only falling apart.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm afraid that's going to end up on the cutting room floor, but no. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> no I didn't I'm have kidding. my jams. I didn't yeah, have my jams backing me there. <laughs> no, no, that's right. You, you you didn't have the uh the rondettes, the backup singers. Oh yeah, that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right, Justin. Well, let's uh tell us a little bit more about kind of your background and how you got into all of this. So, what was what did you study in school? What kind of jobs did you have that prepared you for uh being a testing evangelist.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, um, actually I studied uh, philosophy when I was in school and I studied really advanced logic. I got really into logic and kind of advanced systems and looking into kind of some more advanced math theory when I was in school, which, uh, whenever I tell people I studied philosophy, they just really ask me, you know, well, what's the meaning of life then? And I'm like, yeah, well, well, that's, 42, not, that's not really, right? I studied. Yeah. 42. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh, what a, what a book. And, um, From there, I actually got my start testing at a software company. I worked for a a small software company uh, based in uh, Cambridge, Mass, where um, I started working on email testing and e-commerce tests. Uh, Then as we were doing new site redesigns, I was really pushing for doing some more landing page tests as well as uh, getting some proof of concept tests done for when we were launching new pages on the site. So I just uh, kind of Jumped into testing as I was uh, doing that marketing position there and really got into it, really enjoyed it, loved talking about it, loved learning about it, and really just enjoyed doing it as well because it's a, something really tangible that you can look at in kind of this digital world and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it really kind of gives you something to, uh, to have some, as a benchmark.
1: Okay, well, so cautionary tale parents out there, if you're going to send your kid to college, don't let them major in philosophy. They'll have to (laughs) learn a useful skill after that anyway. Uh, No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, math and and logic, I mean, that's certainly grounded in some uh, pretty uh, marketable stuff as far as your career goes. Uh, So let's see. So uh, let's talk about kind of uh, some... Ways people screw up testing. Now what I mean by that just some is the three biggest mistakes people make when they set up a test. Uh, this could be in the way they gather the data, what they test, uh, the traffic sources, the seasonality. You, I mean what kinds of ways have you seen to just kind have a test go sideways?
2: Um I think one and this is this is still surprises me that people have this this difficulty is that they think they're running an AB test and they're actually not because they're not running the test at the same time they're running at one they run one variation for a t- certain period of time, and then after that period's up, they run their variation B, which is just a complete no no. It's not even what A B testing is, but people continue to do that. Um, I continue to get test submissions where people are just doing A B testing completely wrong. So that's uh, called
1: that's serial testing or back to back testing as opposed to parallel or side by side testing where you split the traffic randomly between the different versions.
2: Mm-hmm. So, anyway, no, why two- is that a bad idea? Um, well your your traffic's not the same at that point and there's different things that can come into mind like um, whether like what time of the year it is um, and your I know one thing you and I talked about one time Tim was if people are going to be running tests uh, if they start one we don't run it for eight like don't run it for 20 day uh, yeah, 20 days or no, what would you say don't run it for like 15 16 days run, make sure to run it for the full 21 to make sure that no that you can factor in you know weekdays versus uh, weekends and then kind of all have all like the morning the whole, the whole day itself like between morning afternoon and night um, have a
1: very high data rate and have uh, somebody run a test and for a couple of days and go well I've reached statistical significance but that happened to be on a weekend and then you run the next version on Tuesday Wednesday and you're comparing apples to bowling balls really
2: yeah exactly i think uh, another another thing too is people um, do just kind of look for when it first hits uh, statistical significance, and they don't—they don't get the, the enough data to, to have that grounded. Uh, where they see a, a huge lift, and they they think that that's fine—that you know, oh, this one variation after a couple of days is, has lifted X percent, but they they don't have um, the statistical backing to make those calls just yet because there isn't enough data. Um, I've seen that happen a lot as well, where people will just pull the test way too early.
1: Yeah, and there's there's an impatience there. You want to kind of bank it and put the winning version live, but at the same time you have to make sure <coughs> that uh, you have a pretty good degree of confidence in your answer. And yeah. it's, it's always better to, to, unless the test is a losing test and really, really horribly underperforming, you, you generally want to run it a little longer.
2: Yeah, and um, I think another, another issue I see in the testing process itself is if people are, are running multiple variations when they cut out one particular variation because it's tanking so hard, or, or they try to pause variations, then turn them back on. I know a lot of testing technologies allow people to do that, but that does um, affect the that does really negatively affect kind of what you're what you're trying to test and what's going on in the, the testing atmosphere. So that's something I see people do a lot as well, and it's still made widely available, which I don't quite understand.
1: Yeah, well, that's so uh, some some good things to watch out for. I think that uh, you know, unfortunately, we're Running short on time. We could continue this conversation uh, probably for hours, uh, enjoying it very much. Um, Just a quick shout out. uh, You just spoke at the last Chicago Conversion Conference. We're having our next one in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And for our loyal listeners, uh, use W excuse me, uh, WMFM as the promo code and save $100 off of your registration. That's on top of any early bird rates or anything else going on right now. Ford Lauderdale, October 9th and 10th. Uh, Justin, if uh, I think that a good way to start a testing program is to have your company CEO try to guess at some test on which test won and show how many times they screw it up. Isn't that true?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and we actually have, um, I believe it's 23. Normally, we have one test open a week for just our, our regular visitors. But for the next month, we have uh, our email testing awards that just went through. We have our entire Hall of Fame open for everybody until July 31st. So there's 23 tests there that you can take a look at. So this is a perfect time to start getting your uh, your CEO to start guessing and see uh, and start getting a testing program uh, backing from, from the higher ups, I think, for sure.
1: Well, you guys, I think, do a very important service to the industry, just unbiased tests collected from all over the place to basically help people understand the importance of testing. So keep up the great work, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. All right. Thanks a lot for having me, Tim. My pleasure. Well thank you loyal listeners for spending another half hour with us. This is your host Tim Ash for LPO Landing Page Optimization. Want to thank my guest Justin Rondeau again, and I hope to see you at the next conversion conference in Fort Lauderdale.